Welcome to another edition of Faith to Live By. I'm your host, Pam Christian, and I want you to know I really look forward to connecting with you each week. I love prayerfully developing the message the Lord wants me to bring to you to help you in everyday life. With this program, I want to help you gain spiritual victory over life's difficult issues. I'm a charismatic apologist, which some might think is an oxymoron, but scriptures clearly state God's people are to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So I understand that to mean we are to function with a balance between spiritual realities and rational thought. Last week, with part one of Advancing God's Kingdom, we spent time making sure we know who our enemy truly is. Today, I want to get further in our understanding of the kingdom of God so we can better know how to advance it. The kingdom of God is not a place. Rather, it's a rule of law. And in fact, it's the supreme rule of law governing everything that exists. Even those who openly reject and defy God are still subject to the full weight of the kingdom rule of law. Unfortunately, recognition and respect for the rule of law, kingdom or otherwise, is being severely challenged. This is evidenced by the increase of lawlessness, anarchy, destruction, and death in our culture. It is also evidenced by the lack of proper enforcement of civil law, which exposes those who are in positions of power and authority who do not have a proper regard for the law. While people in America may be getting away with breaking the laws and there is a failure for true and proper law enforcement, I assure you, breaking the kingdom laws will be fully enforced by God himself. God will not be slack in administering his holy justice. You might recall in September 2019, while praying in preparation for the new Hebrew year 5780 and our own 2020, I clearly heard the Lord express that 5780 or 2020 would be the year of justice. In order for justice to be administered, that which is unjust must be exposed. This is precisely what's been occurring this entire year, and I don't think we've even seen the worst of it yet. What seems to be governmental and political war is actually the war of evil confronting righteousness with plans to overcome what is good. Behind this war is the enemy of God, Satan, and all of his evil minions, both spiritual and human, and God himself, with his holy spiritual beings and ardent human devotees. Like it or not, we are in a war of good versus evil. But if we are properly armed with truth, then we will not fear the outcome or even being in the battle, because Jesus has already won the war and the enemy is a defeated foe on his last breath. The devil knows the prophetic words that have been given. He knows the gavel of justice is about to drop, so he's doing everything he can, no longer operating in hiding, but out in the open, in effort to overcome God's people and even God himself, if that were possible. Please remember, I've said before, I don't believe this is the end of the end times, but the beginning of them. The time of labor pains, as the Bible puts it. Jesus must find his bride radiant and arrayed in fine linen without spot or blemish. So God is intervening in this year, this first year of the decade of the Hebrew year beginning 5780, the decade of the mouth, or the decade of decrees, declarations, and proclamations. God intends to fulfill Numbers 2319, which says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I intentionally used the King James Version for that passage, so we have a proper understanding. 
Other translations, instead of reading, neither is he the son of man that he should repent, use the term, neither is he the son of man that he should change his mind. To be clear, God's thoughts are fluid, adjusting with the response of mankind and the free will choices made by spirit beings. But his character, will, and intentions never change. He is holy, and his nature never changes. When God created the heavens and the earth, the rule of God's law existed on earth, and God instructed Adam and Eve to be the stewards of his kingdom. The enemy of God seized the chance to influence Adam and Eve and caused them to doubt God for his word and intentions. When Adam and Eve chose their own course of action instead of staying the course with God, the course of destiny was put in motion that actually gave Satan the title deed for God's creation. That's when Adam and Eve's God-breathed spirit within them died, and every human being born ever since is born with the same spiritual dead condition and enemies of God. We have inherited our dead eternal spirit from conception. However, when Christ came as the second Adam and lived his human existence without ever sinning, choosing instead to remain fully obedient to the Holy Spirit, his sacrificial death paid the debt of sin once and for all, allowing anyone who chooses to place their faith in Jesus as God's promised Redeemer to be fully redeemed and given a new eternal spirit influenced by the Holy Spirit. By Jesus' resurrection, he reclaimed the earth and reacquired the title deed for the earth and all that is in it. All created beings, angels and humans, have their own God-given free will to exercise as they choose. However, there is one outstanding difference between spirit beings and humans. Satan and his followers were never deceived. They made a sober choice to rebel against God. Their choice, while being fully aware, seals their condemnation to hell forever. Human beings, however, were deceived by Satan, who invented the lies, and therefore in God's justice, humans get a second chance to choose whom they will follow. Every human ever born in God's timeline is offered another chance to consider whom they will serve. Not a single person will live this earth without having many opportunities to realize the truth and make a decision to follow the truth or live in lies. The simplest and most direct way of advancing the kingdom of God is to fulfill the Great Commission. Romans 14:17 clearly reveals when righteousness, peace, and joy increase, God's kingdom is advancing and God's kingdom authority is manifest. Understand, when people are deceived, they are unaware of their condition. It takes a particular series of confrontations to get through to the person for them to realize their condition. Once they realize, then they are given the choice whom they will serve. This is why those of us who are enlightened to the truth of Jesus are charged with the task of making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey Jesus' instructions, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We ought to continually thank God for his mercy and repeated efforts to get through to each and every one of us, even up to the moment of our last breath. Consider the two thieves on their own crosses at the time of Christ's crucifixion. One stubbornly refused to acknowledge Jesus, who had revealed himself as the Son of God. The other chose to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, or in Greek, the Christ. Jesus said to the one who confessed Jesus as the Christ that he would be with him in paradise. The plight of the other thief was hell by his own choosing. God doesn't send anyone to hell. 
God didn't create hell for people. He created hell for the demons. But when man refuses to acknowledge and receive Jesus as the Savior and Lord, they choose their own eternal fate. It is not God's heart for anyone to go to hell, for anyone to perish. This is why he has personally provided the way for everyone who wants to be united with him to be saved and join him in paradise. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, John the Baptist and even Jesus referred to the kingdom of God as being at hand. The kingdom of God was at hand. It was in their midst because of what Jesus was soon to do. Once Jesus died, was resurrected, and risen, the title deed for the earth was restored. Jesus paid the price, fulfilling the law of God and administering justice for God's kingdom. The law requires the crime of sin to demand eternal death. But with a heart of love and mercy, God devised the plan for himself to take our place and be our substitutionary sacrifice. And through his sinless life, death, and resurrection, he satisfied the debt of sin and provided us a way of redemption if we want it. Those of us who come to believe in and receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord are made to be joint heirs with Christ, to reign and rule over the earth with him. We are charged by Jesus to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. We can see this in Matthew 28, 18-20. By Christ's full authority, the Great Commission has been assigned to us. The nations are Christ's inheritance, and we are charged by him to bring the nations to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Now, let's explore how fulfilling the Great Commission is the simplest and most direct way of advancing God's kingdom. The Great Commission of Matthew 28:18-20 has several mandates. Number 1, we are to go in all Christ's authority. We are to make disciples, not merely converts. We are to seek to reach the nations with the gospel. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to teach people to obey all that Christ taught with a sold-out devotion. And we are to go with confidence that Jesus is always with us, even to the end of the age. Today, more than any other time in my life, we see the power of evil surfacing, while at the same time, people are desperately seeking to find truth and hope. What is taking place is a separation of sheep and goats, and the identity of both sheep and goat nations. If you aren't familiar with these terms, the Bible refers to sheep and sheep nations as those who revere him and serve Christ. The goat and goat nations are those who reject Christ. In the face of the violent increase of evil, we are being caused to decide which we want to participate with, good or evil. Great numbers of people are finally seeing the increase of wickedness and they are clamoring to find a way of escape, which is exactly what the gospel message provides. Quoting Isaiah 61, 1-3, Jesus proclaimed of himself, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
When we seek to share the truth with others, we need to address their real human needs, just as Jesus did. Chaos, pain, hardships, suffering, fear, anxiety, and dread are conditions no one wants to suffer. Presenting what Christ offers in the manner he did, we should be able to have people come to Christ in droves, wanting to escape the chaos and panic in our culture. We can confidently explain, regardless of how things look all around us in the natural, the Spirit of the Lord longs to bring good news to the poor, to bring hope to the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort those who mourn, adorning them with a new identity filled with gladness, the spirit of praise and confidence instead of the fear, and that by becoming replanted through faith in Jesus, he would be glorified, and with this, the day of the vengeance of God will come upon the enemy. This is the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Just as it was for Jesus' first proclamation of what he offers, so should we offer the same as we seek to reach people for Christ. Can't you see the importance of proclaiming the miraculous benefits faith in Christ actually offers? The love of Christ as demonstrated through his life, death, and resurrection, paying the debt of sin we owe but are unable to pay, allows anyone who chooses to be restored into a right relationship with God the Father, our Creator, from whom all love flows. It allows believers to no longer be citizens of this fallen world and to become citizens of the kingdom of God right here on earth. Just as Jesus explained, we must boldly explain there is only one way to be rightly restored to God the Father, the way to escape evil and its eternal consequences. This one way is not an arbitrary claim we make. It represents the terms of the offer God has made. People criticize the Christian claim of there being only one way to be restored to God, declaring it is exclusive. Our response to that must be clear. God's offer is not exclusive. It's all-inclusive to anyone who wants to be restored to Him through faith in Christ. The truth is, we are all born sinners and enemies of God. Our natural-born birthright was stolen from us when the supreme enemy of God, known as Satan, deceived the first man and first woman, causing them to reject God and all of His ways. When they rejected God, they in essence became willing subjects of Satan rather than willing subjects of God. With that rejection, their holy and pure spirit within them died, and every person born ever since has been born with the same spiritually dead condition. In order for us to be redeemed, we need the help of someone greater than ourselves. This is precisely why God offers us His personal plan of redemption, allowing us to willingly choose to reject Satan and align ourselves with God. Some of this may be basic Christian doctrine to you, but based on the serious decline of Christianity in America, we must go back to the basics and learn how to advance the kingdom of God on earth. God is triune in nature, known as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is three persons in one. All persons are co-equal in every way. God decided that in his form of God the Son, he would personally come to this earth and take on human form to live the human existence. He was miraculously conceived in the womb of a virgin, making him fully God, yet fully man. It is essential we realize when Jesus lived this earth, he willingly laid aside his deity to live only according to his humanity. 
This was essential in order for him to become the only suitable sacrifice for all humanity. Because he lived his human condition without ever committing sin, he became the scapegoat or substitute sacrifice for anyone who will place their faith in him as Savior and Lord as their personal Redeemer. In the Old Testament, priests conducted a ritual involving two goats, one that would be sacrificed for the sins of Israel and one that would be released in the wilderness. After sprinkling the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the mercy seat, the priest would lay his hands on the scapegoat, symbolic of putting the sins of people on the head of the goat. The scapegoat would be freed into the wilderness where God would remember the people's sins no more. This was done on Yom Kippur, also known as the Day of Atonement, the day that the sins of the people were recompensed. Now, what stuck out for me for the first time in preparing this podcast is how Jesus represents both goats used in the Old Testament ritual. He was the goat that was sacrificed and his blood sprinkled on the mercy seat. And through his resurrection, he became the scapegoat, causing our sins to be removed from us as far as the east is from the west, so God will remember them no more. We can read more about that in Psalm 103:10-12, Isaiah 43:25, and Hebrews 8:12 through 10:17. This will help us understand how this Old Testament ritual was a foreshadow of Jesus. Just as the first Adam rejected God by an act of his will, so can anyone who desires be restored to God by an act of their will, receiving and believing the second Adam, Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message, the good news people desperately need today. We need to clearly teach the enemy of God is not equal in power to God. He is not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. These are attributes belonging only to God. Christians, however, who have placed their faith in Jesus, possess the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, allowing us to tap into God's power and plans. If you want to know more about the unique attributes of God, make sure to use the link in the show notes to learn of God's attributes from an article by Josh McDowell. The gospel message must be shared in the simple manner God intended to reach the heart and soul of people. With a simple and direct explanation of the gospel message and why we need to hear the gospel, addressing the pain, suffering, sickness, disease, and evil that all of us want to escape, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Christ, we advance the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom of God is not a place. It's a rule of law that governs. Those who accept God's rule of law through faith in Christ can enjoy the many benefits of being kingdom warriors, assuring them the full victory Christ already won. We are caught in the final stages of the battle, and unless we take on our necessary roles as kingdom warriors, we will needlessly suffer casualties in the battle. We must learn to tap into the power of God and operate in unity to see the radical and miraculous victories Christ offers us. The kingdom of God, then, is displayed through the heart, mind, soul, and spirit of every intentionally engaged, born-again, spirit-filled believer. The kingdom of God is made visible through obedience. Remember how Jesus said he never did anything except he heard or saw it first from the Father? That's our example. Remember, the decade 5780 is the decade of the mouth, pay in Hebrew. The ten years previous was the decade of the eyes, which is ayin in the Hebrew understanding. This means the past 10 years, we were shown what the Father wanted us to see. 
so that in this present decade, we can proclaim and declare what the Father wants to occur. We are in a decade where we will see more manifestations of the Holy Spirit, more people coming to Christ, a greater chasm between good and evil, light and darkness, and a great separation of the sheep and the goat nations as never before. It's no wonder there are those declaring doom and gloom, while others are declaring the greatest harvest of souls for Christ ever. The magnitude of the days we're living in are revealing both good and evil. The power of life and death that is in the tongue will be highly visible in this decade. If you speak blessings, you can expect blessings. If you speak curses, you can expect curses. Don't underestimate the power of evil and the number of people who openly serve Satan in a variety of ways, including various forms of the Illuminati and witchcraft. Many people inadvertently serve Satan simply by rejecting Christ, but the numbers of people who are openly serving Satan are staggering. Mario Murillo published an article recently that depicted a photo of a young teen girl dressed in a devil costume holding a sign that read, Keep God Out of California. This is very sad and should cause Christians to more vigilantly pick up and use their spiritual weapons. This girl and many like her have no idea of the seriousness of their positions. Mario wrote, Why do they hate God? They are mixing political wokeness with the occult. They side with the devil because they see him as part of their resistance. To many, Satan is a revolutionary figure. More and more of them here see a connection between their goals of social justice and hating God. God-hating has taken on a new persona. God is merely lumped in with all their confused agendas. The sign she is holding says, Keep God out of California. However, it appears that their sign is not working because God is very much present in California. As a matter of fact, the state that gave us Azusa Street and the Jesus Movement seems to be shaking, not from an earthquake, but from a truthquake. Mario explained his team in Fresno, California, led by Frank Saldana, sent him their report that says they have never seen openness to the gospel like this. The people on the streets gladly take our cards and eagerly let us pray for them. Then Mario expresses that the tent for their tent meeting will not go up for another 18 days yet, but souls are already being saved in Fresno and bodies are being healed. How can this be, given the increase of demonic activity? Because Satan has yet again overplayed his hand. The lockdown, the extreme violence, the perversion, and the silliness of wannabe Satanists has produced a result that is the opposite of what Satan wanted. People want God people want prayer, end quote. I'll have a link for the article in the show notes, and you'll want to be sure to read it because it's encouraging. Again, the simplest way to advance the kingdom of God is by sharing the gospel, and as Mario's team has experienced, people are hungrier than ever to find truth and escape from evil because of the rampant increase of evil in these days. I agree with Mario. The devil has overplayed his hand. Please understand the violence and destruction, the anarchy and the Antichrist spirit that is raising up is the work of the enemy who knows his days are numbered. He is pulling out all stops, seeking to destroy anyone and everything he can in the process. This is why these days are all the more important for those of us who serve Christ to become intentionally engaged with kingdom warfare. Romans 15 makes it clear the church is mandated to advance God's kingdom by sharing the gospel and for our words to be authenticated through signs, wonders, and miracles. 
Such supernatural signs and wonders will convince some of the most hardened human hearts that they will give their life to Christ. With each individual who comes to the light, the darkness is pushed back and the kingdom of God advances. What I'm sharing today had some bearing on my writing the first book in my multi-award winning Faith to Live by series. The title is Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies, which, by the way, was endorsed by Josh McDowell. I'll have a link where you can get more information about that in the show notes as well. In that particular book, I provide background as to how our church, especially in America today, has become the most ineffective it's ever been in decades. The church is viewed by many as non-essential and irrelevant, and people in positions of leadership and power have sought to muzzle the voice of the church altogether. We must not let this happen. I found an excellent article online about advancing the kingdom of God. It offers some background in explanation of why we have some Christians who believe in the supernatural gifts for today and some who do not. I'll have a link for you in the show notes. The author uses Romans 15, 18-19 as an example where improved translations help us have a better understanding and improved unity among believers. Generally speaking, in the past, Protestants emphasized no need for the miraculous signs and wonders because we have the entirety of the written word of God. Protestants believed the apostles needed the miraculous signs and wonders to confirm the words they preached because the New Testament was not yet written. In Romans 15, 18-19, Protestant-inspired Bibles placed emphasis on Paul doing the miracles for the sake of convincing the Gentiles. The author states, quote, Unfortunately, this is wrongly emphasized. The English Standard Version provides the most accurate translation of the text as it was emphasized in the original Greek. This shows that Paul's words and deeds, miracles and powers of the Spirit, were necessary to fulfill the ministry. Some translations start with a bent against the supernatural. However, the Greek translation is emphasized differently. Paul said he accomplished the obedience of the Gentiles. Obedience has its Greek root in a word that's spelled A-K-O-U-W, which means to hear. So he is saying that they heard and obeyed. True faith comes by hearing and is demonstrated through obedience. So Paul won their obedience by three things. Number one, he personally walked the talk. He wasn't just a hearer, but a doer of the word. Number two, he was yielded to the Holy Spirit, keeping his hands clean and his heart pure. Number three, he's obedient to the Holy Spirit so he could move in power through him. And again, I'll have a link to this article in the show notes. We are not to be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. Those who only hear God's word but do not sufficiently act upon it are among those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Listen to a word from God through Christina Greenwood from Christian Harvest International, which was received on September 20th, 2020. Then decide how you will demonstrate your obedience in these contentious times. God says, The enemy thinks he has secured great victories in this season, but I am the master of the chessboard that the world, man, and Satan have attempted to manipulate through humanism, demonic delay, and antichrist agendas. I have sudden moves that Satan and corrupt men and structures will not see coming. There will be sudden moves initiated on the game board that will trump evil and corruption and secure victory. Remember, while I hung on the cross, Satan thought he had won. 
but I secured the keys he had stolen, and in a surprise, not yet seen move, I rose from the grave and defeated death and hell. Don't think darkness and evil have won. Their defeat and destruction were secured on the cross and sealed by my resurrection life. There will be more surprise moves. I will initiate the final secure move of checkmate on the game board the enemy has set in motion among the people and nations. My ecclesia must rise above the roar of chaos and see, perceive, and discern from my victorious eternal throne room position and operate in the victory strategy. The world looks different through the sight of victorious redemption. Now is not the time to be silent. Now is the time to be armed and ready to be the battalion of kingdom warriors to engage and secure kingdom order for this new era. It is the now time to tip this reset moment into righteous kingdom alignment, time and harvest. The enemy is a defeated foe and we must keep this truth forefront in mind as we take our essential places on the battlefield. Next week, we'll consider part three of Advancing God's Kingdom with emphasis on the importance of unity. I want to thank my sponsors, Virtual Shield, that provides you with internet privacy, and Movi, that helps parents protect their children from predators and other internet invasions. I ask you to learn more about these companies and consider availing of their services. I also want to thank Leanne Mancini for her beautiful children's book series called The Adventures of the Sea Kids, which I highly recommend as Christmas gifts for the youngsters in your family. When you purchase any products or services through my links, you get the benefit of the good services and products they offer, and you support me and my ministry at the same time. I'm not a 501c3 organization, so donations are not tax deductible. Instead, I try to bring you goods and services you can enjoy that will help me as well. By the way, I list all my sponsors, show notes, and bonus items on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. This program is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC. I invite you to visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. If you'd like to be one of my insiders, subscribe to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. I offer you a choice of a free gift in appreciation for your subscription. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel. It also helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live by, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian asking you to remember. Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.